Robert Altman said, it's all one film to me, just different chapters. And whilst we might all be the heroes of our own stories, there's only one director who can truly describe himself as an author of lives. Every part has power. Every sentence has symbolism. Every scene is a story. I'm Martina Minow, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Trevor O'Flynn, director of Kindergarten Robocop. Welcome, Trevor. Thank you very much for having me. What an absolute delight it is. Kindergarten Robocop, what a stomper that was. That's right. Um, I thought that the uh, popular Schwarzenegger movie, Kindergarten Cop, was a little bit restrained, and I wanted to up the ante a little bit, so... Um, I put together uh, something a little bit more spicy, you might say. And up the ante you have done. Now, I have obviously watched it, but our dear listeners may not have had the chance yet. Can you tell us a little bit about what Kindergarten Robocop is really all about? Well, um, you know, there's a problem school um, and um, the children are misbehaving. And uh, the, the governor um, is, is at a loss with what to do. And so uh, what, they, what they do is they bring in uh, Robocop. And uh, we were managed to get the rights from Orion to get the actual character of Robocop um, in our film. Um, so Robocop comes tonking into the, the hallway of the school and, um, and he's got his, you know, his automatic uh, weapon. Um, and uh, he teaches the kids a lesson or two in discipline and uh, um, good behavior and good uh, social um, uh, mores. And uh, and they they shape up by the end of the film. And I think it's got an important moral message and uh, some, you know, social value as well. Absolutely. And I learned a lesson or two as well. I certainly wouldn't mess with a kindergarten Robocop. <laughs> there was a fantastic opening sequence in the classroom, which was just both hilarious and humbling, I found. That's right. That's right. Um, uh, Peter Weller, um, who obviously played Robocop, he come back for this. Um, so he's playing um, Robocop and um, and one of the children, actually, uh, uh, there's a series of children um, and that they're pestering him with um, complicated and embarrassing questions. And so he then has to explain in his sort of um, uh, Robocop way. Um, he has to respond in his Robocop way. So that was an exciting scene. What a delight it must have been to film. And it was an absolute delight to watch. Let's cut to. Good morning, Mr. Robocop. Thank you for your greeting. Uh, Mr. Robocop. When you are about to make love to a woman, is it more important to look into her eyes or to understand her soul? Also, what's your favorite color? For the most efficient lovemaking, you must both look into her soul and use your steely power to pleasure her. My favorite color is justice. Wow. Mr. Robocop, how much of you is man flesh? Detention for you. Ah, rats again. My favourite colour is also justice. I think I would have quite a lot in common with kindergarten Robocop. 
Now, there's a lot in here you mentioned about social values. And how much have you drawn on your own life and your own moral compass here? Oh, enormously. Um, I grew up in a town where people were... Um, um, there wasn't much social cohesion. There was an enormous amount of disparity between rich and poor and the communities were not getting along together well. So there was a lot of crime and violence. And actually there were a lot of absent father figures. And I think that, uh, you know, um, um, uh, Robocop in this film provides that father figure to these children and he provides the firm hand that they so um, deeply need. Mr O'Flynn, obviously you've alluded to it here, that uh, you didn't have the happiest of childhoods. How have your friends and family received this film, which is, I feel, quite autobiographical? Um, yeah, um, there's. It's been. it was an explosive Christmas because... Um, uh, a lot of the family were not pleased with uh, what the kind of commentary I was making on my own upbringing. So I got a, a clip around the ear from my dad and my mom. Um, she put glass in my Christmas turkey, which is what she used to do. Um, but that's how we relate, you know, back home. And that's how we sort of show love. You know, it's a firm, it's a firm love, if you like. And it's that firmness of love that I think Robocop brings to the children in the movie. Absolutely. And there's nothing firmer when it comes to love and putting glass in a turkey. Very extreme, but obviously very effective. Um, we did actually have an interview with your grandfather, Mr. O'Flynn Senior, and we asked him what he thought of the film. Would you like to hear? We'd love to, yeah. Okay, well, here we go. This is Mr. O'Flynn Senior. Hey, O'Flynn, and of course, Turkey of a film. I mean, come on, what's that about? And there's no stopping that lad from making the all sorts of rubbish. He's got to get proper job someday. I mean, it's ridiculous. He's never spending no time drinking like a proper man. He's off doing his fancy films. And uh, I would say that a robot should not be in charge of a, a children. It's, it's obvious to anyone for half a brain. But uh, he makes his money and he, he bought me this fine flask cap, which I walk around in. So, fair play to him. Fair play. How wonderful to buy one's grandfather a flat cap. What a, what a moment that must have been. Now, what's your response to that response to your film? Well, again, that's the kind of tough love that I'd expect from Gramps. I mean, when he was young, he, he would boast that he was my alarm clock and um, he'd wake me up in the morning by thumping me on the head. Um, so it's really just an extension of that. He's showing his love again. But, you know, if he's not um, entirely thrilled with it, then I think it's because he's that it tells some uncomfortable truths, you know, about the way that he is. You know, um, he probably sees himself in, in Robocop a little bit there. And don't we all see ourselves in Robocop? Every time I watch it, I see a new element of myself in it. It's quite well polished, so we do see a lot of ourselves in, in, in Robocop. Very reflective, isn't it? Mm. Deeply, yeah, deeply. There was a lovely moment, actually, between Robocop and one of the children, Susie, where he offered some valuable life advice that I still live my life by today, Mr O'Flynn. And I'm already very wise. It's very rare that someone can influence me in this way, but Robocop has. Mr Robocop? Yes? All of my friends... They asked me to play hide-and-seek with them, and then they just left. And I was there counting and counting until it got dark. It was so frightening. Please, Mr. Robocop, what do I do? 
It sounds like you misunderstood the rules of the game. You're only meant to do a certain amount of counting. They probably got bored. If you don't pay attention to the rules, you will be left behind as a weak member of the pack. Oh, I see. So extensive compliance is, is more important than somebody's feelings? Absolutely. Thank, thanks, Mr. Robocop. Well, I'm off to go and draft some more legislation. Thank you. Extensive compliance is more important than one's feelings. I've often seen that in my own romantic relationships, but I just can't find anybody compliant enough. Would you believe it? What a surprise. I know, I know. Speaking of romantic relationships, is there a Ms. O'Flynn on the scene? Um, uh, there is, in fact. That's right. Yeah, uh, on this film, in fact, uh, there was some, some romance um so uh, yeah yeah uh she was indeed a crew member uh she was in the makeup department and uh i came to check in on how peter weller was doing and uh you know we get chatting and um stephanie was there buffing his face and then she was buffing other things later that evening so i'm sorry to be graphic there and, and are you still together? Uh, unfortunately, um, it's not looking good. Um, she has joined my family in disapproval of the film, even though she was in a part of it. So uh, it's sort of on the rocks at the moment. She's obviously not compliant enough, Mr. O'Flynn. Quite, quite. Obviously, there is a bit of a romantic tinge to the film, which is unlike your previous works. Mm -hmm. Do you think this is influenced by your dalliance with Stephanie, the makeup artist? I think it may well have been, yeah. You know, the way it can tonally adjust that you you uh, you adapt the film. You know, a film creates itself. It tells you what it wants to be as it's, as it's in production. And yeah, I would say that those experiences infuse their way into the narrative. Oh, you're more infused than a Twining's tea bag, aren't you? You really do really do bring this story to life mm. now obviously there's some romantic elements but were there any other tensions on set i do like the inside scoop um yeah yeah um there's a sequence in which uh keanu reeves as a sort of uh he's plays one of the other teachers who's like uh really chilled out with the kids and um he thinks that robocop's being much too strict you know, with his methods. So the two of them actually have a, uh, they actually have a scene in the film when they compare um, uh, approaches, um, but actually offset as well. The two of them, Peter Weller and Keanu Reeves didn't get on. So there was drama on and off. Oh, I have heard rumours of this. We got some backstage footage from one of their trailers where they got into a bit of a puzzle over a tuna sandwich. Let's cut mm. to. Hey, man, that's my tuna sandwich. There's a whole pile of them, like, over there. Just, just get another one, Keanu. Just get another one. Show off, Peter. If I said that this is my sandwich, then this is my goddamn sandwich. I'm Keanu goddamn Reeves here. Look, you're Canadian. You don't count in this country, okay? I know I'm Canadian. It's obvious from the way that I talk, eh? Look, look, I am the star, okay? So stop trying to butt in. You're the star, huh? You're the star, the dude in the big metal mask with lasers for eyes teaching the kids to bow to big society. That's the star? This is my goddamn film. 
It's kindergarten RoboCop, not point breaking in the kids, okay, Keanu? So just shut up. Even if you were the tiniest little speck of a bug on my Keanu Reeves shoe, which is, by the way, a shoe line that I'm releasing next year, then I would still say that you deserved tuna sandwiches, but not mine, because this one's my goddamn sandwich, Wellers. And I'll prove it right now. <laughs> Oh, I've never actually seen anything quite like that. Was it difficult to direct them after Tunigate? Yeah, we had to put a muzzle on both of them when they weren't doing their scenes, um, just so they'd behave themselves. And we had to keep tuna off the menu completely um, and yeah. remove all of the sandwiches because it caused turn them into such hotheads. But uh, ultimately, everything worked out in the end, and they did great work together. And if anything, the uh, the anger offset uh, found its way into their performances and made those scenes just that little bit better. It's always a privilege to see as a director someone channeling all of those emotions into their work. How did you feel emotionally by the end of the film? Um, I was quite exhausted. You know, it was difficult. It was difficult content and making such important work. But I'm really th thrilled with the the uh, the final product. You know, I wonder if exhausted might be somewhat of an understatement, Mr. O'Flynn, because I don't know if you remember, but after opening night, you live streamed from YouTube and it was quite emotive. I don't know if you can quite remember it. You seem to have had a few whiskeys, if I recall. Uh, that's right. Yeah, I celebrated in that Irish way um, and I'd had a drink or two. But yeah, that's right. I did, uh, did, did do a little live stream for anyone who cared to watch. Well, I care to watch, Mr. O'Flynn. I watch everything you do. Let's cut to the live stream. Right, so the thing is, I, um, I just want to say that, like, you know, Turkey can have so many different inedible materials in it, you know? It doesn't just have to be glass. Um, you can put asbestos in there if you really want to have it as a little bit of a cheeky surprise that you put anything in the turkey at all. Uh, you could put in metal sheets, but they're quite, uh, quite expensive, really. Uh, but, you know, the important thing is to, uh, to remember that it's just a sign that whoever's cooking that goddamn turkey loves you so goddamn much. I... Fuck. I miss you, Banda. I miss you so much. Stephanie, can you bring round more whiskey? Whoever cooks the turkey loves you so damn much. Oh, how beautiful, Mr. O'Flynn. I, um, I also heard that, and I don't want to call you a sellout, it's not words I use lightly, mm. but have you been doing adverts for Bernard Matthews? Is that true? Um, I'd rather you didn't ask me those kinds of questions, um, but since you've already burst my bubble, yes, it's true. I did some adverts for Bernard Matthews. I, uh, I do have one of them, Mr. O'Flynn, and um, I mm. can't be excused from asking the difficult questions. I am a cinephile and I will get to the heart of the matter. And if you're doing adverts for Bernard Matthews, I can tell you I will damn well find out about it and I will broadcast them to the world. My rival, Rowena Rowe, wouldn't shy away from it, and neither would I. Let's cut to the Bernard Matthews advert, directed by Mr. O'Flynn. Turkey, the cornerstone of any festive meal. Green fields, butter, and of course, high power firearms. This spring, your kitchen, your kids. Bernard Matthews, 
for the family that wants to eat a dead bird. It's got your trademark style all over it, Mr. Flynn, emotion and machine guns. I could tell it was yours straight away. Well, I wasn't too proud about doing commercial work like that. I prefer high art like kindergarten Robocop. But uh, uh, but anyway, what the hell? I'm proud of the trailer. I thought I did a pretty good job on it. Yes, and those flat caps for Gramps won't pay for themselves, you know. Don't be afraid of making an honest living. Oh, true that. Now, I have heard rumour that you've got another film coming out. Is that is that correct? Uh, that's right. That's right. Um, I wanted to uh, continue this, this trend of um taking uh you know popular hollywood products but bringing that social realism to them so yeah i, I am working on something else can you tell us what it's called it's called lord of the rungs and it talks about the you know the, the, the rungs of the social ladder and how difficult it is to climb oh absolutely it's a slippery slope isn't it oh can be can be and you'll find out in the movie we do have a trailer of it do I have your permission to play it now? Would be a world premiere. Well, uh, you have my you have my blessing. What a joy. Listeners, this is Lord of the Rungs, directed by Mr. O'Flynn. Here we go. Now then, don't forget, little hobbit. A bourgeois man is never early or late. He's the one that sets the timetable and holds others arbitrarily to his rules. But Gandalf, why do we have to go and do this uh, horrible task through the world which we're terribly equipped for, when it would seem like you're the one who would be perfect for it, given your magical powers, your knowledge of eagles, when we're just small people without any shoes? It's because you're expendable, my boy. You're members of the rural working class. <laughs> what do you have to live for but cider and waistcoats? <laughs> Of course, of course, I could fly, fly this large bracelet into the, the big bubbling tar pit and get rid of it once and for all, but <laughs> I'm busy resurrecting. But will there at least be some reward for us for doing all this? <laughs> no, just like many others of your working class, fair, victimized by the capitalist society, you'll end this journey and you'll just want to die. <laughs> You'll end this journey and you'll just want to die. People have said that to me on dates before, Mr. O'Flynn. But what a profound closing statement that is. And that brings us to the end of our interview. Do you have any final words of wisdom for our listeners? Keep climbing that ladder. Keep climbing that ladder. I certainly will. Thank you. The Improvised Movie Director podcast featured Sabrina Luisi as Martina Minow, with resident improvisers Vicky Hawley and Rory Vieira, with special thanks to this week's guest, Andrew Gentilly. IMDP is produced and edited by Steve Tanner. Theme music by Matt Brown and Johnny Griffiths. Additional music by Stan Babich. Follow us on at Improv Movie Pod for updates on future episodes and live shows. Improvised Movie Director Podcast is a 4 foot 1 Films production. <laughs> <laughs>